You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. Significant word in Jonah 4 and 11 is pity. And one thing we need to understand in reference to our God that's mentioned in the text, but is yet evident even in our lives, he is a God of pity. He is a God of pity. Pity, in one sense, refers to being merciful or kind. God is very kind and merciful. He could have allowed us to die in our sin. Yeah. Even when we were sinners, we used to lie to God. And yeah, even as saved folk, we, we lied periodically to him. You don't even have to say amen. I know I'm telling the truth. But, but, I, but I remember I used to say things like God when I was a son of God. If you just get me out of this. I'm going to be in church. Every Sunday. I'm going to be in somebody's church. Every, if you just get me out of this. And he'd be kind, show pity on me. Even though I was a sinner, I knew it, it was the Lord that had mercy and allowed me to get out of something that I put myself in. How many have ever messed up yourself, but, but it took God to get you out of your own mess? You messed up yourself to the point to where you couldn't even get yourself out of it. But then God, a God of pity, helped you. Yeah. I love the writer when he, he, he said his, his hand is not too short that he cannot save you. God knows how to pull you out of what has got you wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up. God knows how to loose a snare or a trap that's trying to keep you in one place. Trying to keep you from moving or Doing what God has ordained for you to do. He'll just stretch out his hand and free you from that snare or from that trap. But God's pity also speaks of him 
being a refuge for us. He won't only be kind to you. He'll set up a place of protection for you. Old folks used to say, he'll protect you from danger seen and unseen. Known and unknown. He's a refuge. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Biblically, it was God's pity that redeemed us. Consider Psalm, well, consider Isaiah 63. It was God's pity that redeemed us or that saved us. Isaiah 63. Go there with me. Verse 9. Isaiah 63 and 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. But notice this. In his love and in his of God's pity, he redeemed them. God changes not. This verse was talking about something that God did then, but he's yet redeeming us because he is a God of pity. A God of pity. I'm going to help Walker even though he talk about me from time to time. I'm going to help her even though she got mad because she didn't feel that I acted in a timely manner. But I'm still going to help her. He's a God of pity. You can get mad at God and he'll still help you. You can talk about him and he'll still help you. We, we, got, we got a big task on our hand because we sing songs like, I want to be just like Jesus. Just like the Lord. And, and when you really consider who he is, that, that, that means a whole lot of things about us going to have to change. Because we are quick to cut folks off our list. For little bitty things. Don't let them talk about us off. But think about it. If God was like us, none of us would be saved. We never would have experienced redemption. How many times did you tell God... When, when he was pricking your heart to be saved. Not now, Lord. Because you weren't through partying. 
You were too into getting high, getting drunk. You were too into hanging out with your friends. But God being a God of mercy. He still redeemed us. And when God redeems you, is his salvation, which is threefold. He delivers, he protects, and he prospers. I'm not just going to bring you out of your sin walk. I know how weak you are. For this, that, and the other. So I'm going to protect you from what you can't protect yourself from. But I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to make you strong to the point to where what used to push you around like you were a flunky. You'll be able to put up under your feet. Some of us, the thing that, that, that used to call our name and we used to answer, we don't answer to that thing no more. The thing that, that, that used to cause us to steal, to, to do crazy stuff, we don't answer to that same thing no more. Or that same person no more. Why? Jesus redeemed us. Oh, if it be true, tell somebody, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been delivered. I'm being protected. And I'm prospering. I said, and I'm prospering. Not just in one aspect, but in every aspect of my life. I'm prospering. That's the reason I have a redemptive story. I have a testimony that can't nobody but nobody but nobody do you like Jesus. He's a God of pity. And I thank him. I thank him. I, I, I thank him all the time. Not just in church. I thank him all the time for redeeming me. I thank him all the time. I ain't got so high to where... I won't dance, leap, turn in victory. You never need to get so big to where you forget who brought you out of your mess. Never get so much money to where you think you got too much. To put your hands together and give God the praise for blessing you. Because there are some folk that are such. They done forgot God's pity. And you can be praising God and they'll sit and they'll look just so important as if God has never done anything for them. 
then, then you have folks that reach a certain status in, in society on that job. And, and, and their attitude uh, goes from being one of humility to arrogance, pride, pompous. And you'd be like, man, I knew him when he didn't even have a pot. The twelve man nor a yard the toy. He done forgot where he, his blessing came from. You never forget God's mercy. And you never get in a place to where you think. You can tell God who to have mercy or pity upon. That's what the text is about. Jonah was a prophet of God. Very important position when you consider scripture. Amos 3 and 7 said, surely the Lord God will do nothing unless... He revealed his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Second Chronicles 20 and 20 says the last sentence, Believe the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And so God... In keeping with the scripture, let Jonah know that he was going to have pity on Nineveh. Jonah didn't like the idea of God being merciful to Nineveh. And it really upset. It upset him. And so the conversation before us in Jonah 4 and 11 is, is God dealing with the prophet in reference to why he had pity or mercy on Nineveh. Now I'm not going to deal with that. In detail, what I've told you thus far is basically all I'm going to say about that particular part. Just want to give you a little background. The primary thing that, that I want you to receive this morning is what God said in reference to Nineveh not Jonah or what he said about Nineveh and not about all that he said to Jonah. If you'll notice in Jonah 4 and 11 that the Lord calls Nineveh a great city. A great city. 
And I need to work with that, that word great. And need to work with it not just in reference to what God said about Nineveh, but great in reference to people in general. When you're great, it can mean various things. You're influential. Certain things you do are impressive. You're gifted. You're talented. You got it going on. You're great. And that's what God said about Nineveh. But you can look at certain people and you can see talent, gifts. Certain things they do are just very Im impressive. It can be just carrying a football, how they run it. Shooting the basketball, how they shoot it. How they talk. How they play an instrument. Just, man, he, he great. He is very impressive in that. And some folk, when they are great, gifted, talented, or impressive, it, it can go to the head. We used to call folk like that big-headed. It's all right to know that you're gifted or good in something, but when you get arrogant with it, that's the problem. See, some folk can't take a compliment without, without it going to their head. And, and some folks are, are fed off compliments. They look for folks to, to tell them how impressive they are. They are even hint around to say, you have not said anything nice about me today. Oh, you are wonderful. You are, you are brilliant. You are mighty. You are just impressive. And some folks, it's just like, like they're eating good food when you give them comments like that or compliments like that. And so they were, they were great. But see, understand this. You can never become twisted mentally And start thinking you're more than who you really are just because you're gifted. Just because you have more than somebody else. Because some folks actually think that their greatness makes them better than other folk. 
And, and, and this is the crazy thing. And, and some folk, when they look at other folk, they actually think that, that they are greater because they have more. I got to talk about y'all black folk a little bit. I have. Uh, I know y'all name. I've been changed so many times. You, you went from Negro to uh, Black, Negro, African American. Ain't no telling what's going to be coming in 10 years. <laughs> Folks, just put stuff on the table. I'm an African American. I'm, I'm not black. Call me African American. And oh, I forgot. And one time we were just people of color. But I, I am a person of color. But I got to talk about y'all for a minute. See, back in the day, and, and even and even in our day and time, folks still do it. That they used to they used to think that certain things were only for white people. Yeah, and and some of our parents, uh, grandparents, or great grandparents would say things like, "Boy, you don't need to be getting that. You're trying to be like them white people." I'm still contextual because. They, they, would say, they would look and say, look, that's too great for you. You're not the right color for that. You, you can't be to the point to where you think you are greater than somebody because of your gift or what you have. Nor can you think low of yourself because you don't have what somebody else has. You gotta have in you gotta have in you. That God is no respecter person. The same way God blesses the person beside you, he can bless you. It may be in a different way, a different method, but he can bless you. And, and, and some things that we have uh, are, are because of how we take the word and use it. If I'm giving a hundred thousand dollars a year, don't be mad because I'm a multimillionaire. That's just scripture. Give and it shall be how good, press, shaken, running. If you're getting, you're giving sparingly, but barely can make it.
You got to understand in one sense, that's your choice. If you want to be great financially and you want God to do it, give. But don't be upset if somebody else has greatness in reference to finances and you don't because they obey God. Look at your neighbor and say, there are so many ways to look at greatness. But the bottom line, we never need to be twisted mentally when it comes to greatness. Never. You never need to be. You, you need to be happy with yourself, your choices, and so forth. No matter where you are, as long as you're in line with the written and revealed will of God. Y'all all right? Can I go further? Let me show you what the scripture says about greatness and deal with it a little bit. Let's go to uh, the book of Psalms. I'm going to give you scriptures that's going to back up what, what I have I've been talking about. Psalm 33. I'm going to read several, several verses, but my primary verse in Psalm 33 is going to be verse 16, but I'm going to start at verse 13. Psalm 33 and 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks. Go, I can see a long way, can he? From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He sees everything. He fashions their hearts individually. Woo, he got that much power? Oh, yeah. And notice this, he considers all their works. Everything they do, he considers it. But this is what I want you to get, verse 16, and consider what we've already read thus far. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. You couldn't tell them that, though. They don't know who's sovereign, who's in charge. But notice what he says again. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. And keep in mind who, who wrote this. David knew about military, knew about fighting. Why? Probably, if not the greatest, one of the greatest warriors, kings, and so forth that has ever lived. Not just biblically speaking, historically speaking. But notice the latter part of verse 16. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. That's the reason you see talented people that simply put a message. She gifted 
but she don't want to live right. That girl sure can sing. But she can do some other stuff that I can't even talk about. Great, but messy. And see, the sad thing in reference to the church is that the church would rather have greatness instead of, instead of spirit-led. We want a great choir. Let's get as many as we can in it. We, we, we want to have a lot of sopranos, altos, and tenors. I want a spirit-led choir. Why? Because your greatness, your greatness can produce salvation. Sing good, but nobody is getting saved. Nobody is getting delivered. What are they getting entertained? Why? Because of the greatness they're getting in a tang, but not delivered. Look at the text. I'm still contextual. Especially that latter part of that 16th verse. Let me read it one more time. Because some of y'all look like I lost you when I said it. A mighty man is not delivered by what? Say to your neighbor, greatness. Greatness. Cannot deliver you. Well, you know that, that that boy got a great voice, yeah. But he sings just as hard in the church as he does in the club on Friday night. So the same entertainment he gives on Friday, he gives on Sunday. It's just secular on Friday and it's gospel on Sunday morning. Say to your neighbor, greatness can't save you. It can't save you. Oh, Lord, I got, I got to take it further. I got to hurry up and get through with this. Say your neighbor eyes will get the rolling. Let's go to Job 32. Job 32. And 9. Ready? Job 32 and 9. Great men are not always, help me. Let's try that one more time. I want to get a little more help. Great men are not always. You can be a great person. But stupid. You can have a whole lot of money, but be ignorant about it. 
That, that's why you have people that are great in things that'll get a pile of money and then 30 years later they're broke. Or sometimes it don't even take 30 years. 10 years later they're that broke five years later. That, well, didn't he just sign a contract for so many? Yeah, but he broke now. How in the world he go through all that money? Stupid. Great men are not always. That was a man that wanted to be the first black billionaire. Wanted to be the first. Sold, sold his company for a billion dollars. And it, and it went all over. And folks even giving him awards for being the, the first black billionaire. He was happy to come on stage with his big cigar just smoking and just, just I'm the first, I'm the first, I'm the first. But then the company that he sold, uh, the company that bought it for him, sold it for $350 billion. In hindsight, stupid. Great men are not always wise. I've seen folks that, that, that their parents just left them stuff. That, look, you, you got, all you got to do is just, is just maintain this right here. That's all you got to do, just maintain it. And you're going to be set. Instead of maintaining it, it goes. Great women are not always wise. I've seen women marry the, the wrong man and he destroys her anointing. Anointed until she got married. I've seen loyal men. allow basically nothing to strip them of their loyalty. You'd be like, why in the world did he just stop being so loyal? I can't figure out why, I mean, he ain't doing no better. Matter of fact, he's doing worse. Great men are not always wise. And then he drops the bomb going back to, to Jonah 4 and 11 when he, when, he, when he talks about 
Nineveh being a great city. But then he says, but they don't have any discernment. She a great girl, but she don't have no discernment. Then she know that that man was just after her. God, she unprophesied to everybody, but she forgot to prophesy to herself. Great woman, no discernment. Cannot detect or identify what she should have. If he would have just just discerned that that it, it wasn't the right right time, he was so anxious. If he would have just discerned, it would have turned out well. I gotta go on and tell you, neighbor, you can be great. But no discernment. You left God's church because you got a PhD. And that's the most important thing to you. But you can't discern. You can actually go to hell with A PhD. I just gotta use my gift. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta, gotta use my gift. But it has to be wealth, discernment. And not that flaky discernment. That I feel discernment. Or that, or that line on God discernment. It has to be real. And, and, and notice it, it, it was not as if God was putting none of it down. He was telling the truth. He said, they are great people. It's 120,000. It's a great city. He said, but they can't discern. The left hand from the, from the right. This is, this is right. I, I think that this but it's my right leg so this got to be my it, 
it, it seems as if God was saying they were in a low, low state when it came to discerning. They couldn't discern the, the right hand from the left. But they were great. How can somebody be that talented but not be aware of such and such? Man, how can you get on that computer and work the way you work? And not recognize that the decision that you done made is stupid. Girl, how can you dress like that? How you put that makeup on and you, you put that dress on and you, you pick out the right shoes and you look like you done stepped out of a magazine? But then let a low down man take all of it from you. And, and then sometimes God, God will put somebody in your life to help you with your discernment. It, it, he, he'll put somebody in your life there. Look, look, if you do um, such and such and such and such and such and such with, with your business, oh man, it'll, it'll take off. If you just, but you got to do such and such, such and such, and such and such. And it just be a clear picture. Clear picture. But they are rejected. Oh, they'll say, okay, 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 okay. I see, I see. As if they really going to do it. I see, I see. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. But never do it. Never do it. Never follow through. Say to your neighbor, great. great. But no discern. Man, I really need some money. I really need some money. I just, Lord have mercy, this job, it just, it ain't paying nothing. I, I, Lord, I need some money. I need some money. I need some money. God, I need, I need a pile of money. I, ain't just, I, I need a pile of money. God, no, you need that pile. You really do need a pile. You really do need a good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over. And then he'll he'll use somebody like Dick and Holland. Get up here. Go to Malachi 3, 10 and follow. Talk about the tide. Then he'll slip on over to Luke 6 and 38 and just be uh, telling you about how he used to be stingy. And God freed him, and he started giving to God, and God unblessed him to be able to do numerous things to where he, he not only have just one stream of income, but he got numerous thing, streams of income, and he doing well, and, and, and so forth and so on. And you know how he do, he'll get the... In the midst of talking about it. And you hear all that. 
lead the church. Man, I need a pile of money, pile of money, pile of money, pile of money. That was your rhema telling you, tell it, tell it. But you have to discern. You have to identify when God is talking to you directly and indirectly. You can't have that flaky discernment to where your stomach got to feel a certain way before you believe that it's God. Or you got to have a dream where it was two olives and and, and you seen the two olives and and then a piece of corn rolled beside you and touched you on the ankle and and, and then you went into a wind and then you sat down in a a mist of my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I know my financial blessing is on the way. You can't be like that. That's flaky. Let everything in reference to this earnment, child of God, be based upon the scripture. Not a vision, not a dream, but what is written and revealed. Why? Heaven and earth shall pass, but not God's word. They couldn't discern. They couldn't discern. And so God let Jonah know, I, I, I had to use you to send them the word so they could come out of their predicament and see that they needed me. See that I was their answer. I needed them to see that I was the way, the truth, and the life so they, w- so they would loose their other gods so they wouldn't lean to their own understanding I had to have pity and that's what God is doing this morning he does not want us to discern based upon our greatness our intellect based upon what other gods are saying other people are saying or so forth He wants our discernment to be solely based upon what is written and revealed. I'm going to stop right there. That's what he wants. That's what he wants.